0: Welcome to the Adventure Games podcast. This is Shorsha Dunbar speaking. And recently I had a chance to speak with Jack and Pavle, the co-founders of Flavorwork Studios. And they spoke to me about their game Erica, which is out on Steam on 25th of May. And it's already out on PlayStation. And uh, they spoke to me about the game and about the new groundbreaking engine that they developed called Touch Video in order to make an fmv game more interactive so i had a great time speaking with them and i'm sure people enjoy listening to it as well so first of all here is a trailer for the game erica followed by my interview so please enjoy
1: erica mason i'm sergeant Blake. It's extremely likely whoever killed your father killed Mr. Johar.
0: Why are you following me? Hmm? Let me go. I
1: know what I saw,
0: I know what's real. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Adventure Games Podcast. I am here with Jack Atridge and Pavle Mihailovic. I hope I got that name right. You got it, you got it. <laughs> uh, the developers of Erica, and uh, you were part of Flavorworks. And uh, we're going to talk about your game, Erika. Uh, so, uh, well, hello, Jack and Pavle. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. We're in uh, London. Are you... I, in the UK base as well. I'm in Ireland, so I'm just across the, just across the sea, oh. just across the bridge. <laughs> uh, so yeah. very close. Mm-hmm. Um, but during this past year with COVID, it feels like it's very far. We couldn't really go there. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it feels like the, the the way that people talk nowadays is also Zoom.
0: Yes, exactly. That's how everyone is talking now. I mean, I would love to to go there and just speak to you guys in person. Um, but uh, hopefully soon. To- Hopefully soon, hopefully we can get, you know, we're just about to get through this now, I think. But um, no, we're here to talk about your really good game called, uh, FMV adventure, Erica. And uh, the, the funny the funny thing is that I, 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 when I was speaking to my co-host and friends, uh, Thomas and Laura, and I told them um, that I was playing Erica uh, over the weekend, and then Thomas... Was, Asked uh, Wait, Erica and then he said, is, is that like a date you're going on, short, or what is it? And I said, No, it's a game, it's a game, it's called Erica. So you could say that now I'm speaking to the parents of Erica. So I really hope it goes well.
1: <laughs> yeah, we have mission uh, to play Erica.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, no, she goes through a lot in this game, poor girl. So <laughs> before so before we start talking about uh, about the game. Uh, Anna with the character, I was wondering if you guys could introduce yourselves and say what uh, your favorite game what if you have any narrative or adventure games that you've played or any games at all that uh, are your favorites in particular uh so I don't know if jack if you want to get us started
1: yeah i'm so yeah I'm jack Attridge, the creative director of favoriteworks um my favorite game is probably inside I don't know if you played inside uh oh, if you no. haven't I would very much suggest you do. For me, it's, it's incredible storytelling done without a single word, lots of um, uh, ambiguity about it, but just like not a stone has been unturned in terms of the quality of the craft of the game experience it's by Playdead who made Limbo uh, oh, okay. back in the era. So it's kind of like they've taken that concept to the extreme and it's only three hours, really tight and concentrated. Um, and for us, it was really inspiring. Um, and we wanted to, you know, we, we kind of really resonated with that focus on quality and craft. And that's very much an influence we share at FlavorWorks.
0: Cool, I'll have to check out that that game then. And uh, and Pavle, do you have any um, favorite games as well? And what else you can int- introduce yourself? <laughs>
2: yes, I'm, I'm Pavle. I'm the other co-founder of FlavorWorks, uh, the, the technical director. And I think I'd go for something Jack actually kind of stole my answer, but <laughs> I'd go for something a bit more recent i would say Hades, because I played that recently and absolutely loved it also love like just the 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 craft of it and how it uses like every single element of like being a video game to kind of serve this really interesting and 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 fun narrative which i which I wasn't expecting out of it
0: yeah i've I've heard good things about it I've heard it's very good I've heard it's uh you know the, the storytelling and that is really good as well um so no well, that's I, I am currently playing through Jedi Fallen Order. I know it's a bit late. Um it's really good but really hard. <laughs> I find it very easy to get lost in that game. <laughs> um but um but yeah so then about uh, you, you guys have mentioned already that you're co-founders of Flavorworks. So I just wanted to ask uh, when you when did you guys found this company? How did you guys get together? to mm. to found a company and what were your objectives uh, so for the company
1: we were together at a game studio um and we were kind of saying to ourselves if we were going to start a game studio how what's our reason to exist because if we were if we were just going to go make another first person shooter you know there's it's a it's a it's a market that's definitely being served well you know it, it doesn't really mm. there's not much more we can bring to that and you've got you know, corporations that have spent billions of dollars refining their products in our markets. So, you know, we were only two people and we grew to an average team size of six while making Erica. Um, But the the main motivation behind it was looking at our skill sets. Mine was a bit in filmmaking, and a bit in game design and audio design. Um, And so it kind of made us really think to the whole FMV problem, these full motion video games from the 90s where... You watch one clunky, ugly video, it glitches and freezes every time you make a choice. You only make a choice every five minutes. You press a button on top of the video. You're not interacting with the world or the characters, you're interacting with buttons. The video is kind of like just nice background dressing. Um, And then that takes you on a couple of paths. Usually they wouldn't actually be that branching. Um, And um, we really felt like that whole area could been, could really been done a lot better, um, but also to kind of solve a bunch of problems because um, we really wanted our friends and family to play video games, but a lot of them were put off by the fact that they don't look like they, the stuff they see on film or TV. Um, on top of that, they're always quite complicated to play. You know, we're at this point in the games industry, we don't even tutorialize analog sticks anymore. We just expect people to be ambidextrous and know that one moves you, one ch- changes your view and that the right trigger is always going to be to fire your gun. You know, and it's like, it's like this formula, but it's a formula that only existing gamers are in on, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not that intuitive. So, and then they can be, you know, 30, 40 hours long and um, can be quite demanding um, of your time. And if you put the game down for a week and you come back, you've forgotten all the controls and how to play it, you know, like if you're playing Jedi Fallen Order, I'm like, I've got that mapped out in my head how to play that. Um, but then if I change games halfway through, I start mm-hmm. pressing one button uh, that I associate rolling in, jet, in, in, in Jedi with, with rolling in another game and suddenly they're different buttons. So there's all these different things. Um, so we thought, you know, we, we really wanted to make games accessible and really think about the interface. Um, but we didn't want you to be interacting with this layer of abstraction, these, you, this UI. We wanted you interacting with the world itself. So that way, um, if I'm playing this game on my phone, or my PC, um, and I see a Zippo lighter, which is the first thing you see in Erica, we shouldn't have to tell you how to, how to open a Zippo lighter in real life. And if you know how to use a mouse or a touchscreen and you see something you recognize in real life, you should be able to open that in an intuitive way and then when you spark it and ignite the flame it's you know it's like magic and it's it's just natural so that was cool but the the thing with video interactive video FMB um, is that usually it meant you lost a lot of the gameplay that you get out of a 3d open world game or something like that but we started to really just think about uh the kind of accepted things about game design, which was if you're designing a 3D game, you have a character, you move them around the environment, you run and you jump and you shoot. But it's kind of two issues with that. One is the storytelling doesn't really happen when you're just walking around. Um, Two, it puts the focus on all of the external conflicts, whereas uh, compelling stories will often focus on either the internal conflicts in a character or the intimate things that are just at the extension of your fingertips, and I really like the idea that rather than using our fists, that we would use fingertips. And so, uh, when we're putting all these different ambitions together for a game that's accessible, a game that focuses on those small little moments, like wiping a tear from someone's cheek or brushing the hair from their face mm-hmm. or wiping condensation off of a window, that um, you couldn't do that. Um, in an affordable way, in CGI anyway, where actually it's cheaper to explode a building than it is to animate a kiss because one requires a lot more nuance than the other, but you can't rival the human face. Um, So all of those kind of thoughts led to Erica, which was our debut game, which we're talking about today. And uh, it's been labor of love for a few years. It was originally published by Sony for PlayStation. Um, and now we're really excited to, to bring it to, to Steam where the mouse is this, this really you know, intuitive extension of, of the experience.
0: Yeah, de- definitely. I mean, I've just finished playing the, the game before uh, I spoke to you guys. I, I already played it previously and I went back and played it a second time um, just to try different paths. And again, as I told you guys before we started recording, I got different choices different paths and different endings <laughs> um but but yeah no sounds like at least with erica so far you have been completing uh, those objectives because as you said it's uh, very intuitive and you know kind of i think uh, it can be enjoyed by gamers and kind of non-gamers alike that it is like as you mentioned see the zippo lighter and immediately and actually when i first started playing the game i was just sitting back because i was expecting an intro cutscene like we always get and non-interactive and i was just sitting back and like okay nothing's happening is this a bug why is nothing happening and then, oh i have to play i'm wow already this is this is cool and uh, i was like okay yeah i know what to you know you, you, to open the zippo lighter and then light it um so so then speaking about erica then uh what what can you tell us about what is what can you tell us about the story and how to set it up then
1: yeah, we, we always try to be a bit vague of it just so Yeah. What can you tell us? Out, but, um <laughs> to avoid any spoilers, essentially Erica's our protagonist. It's very much like you control the protagonist. It's not it's not like your person jumping from scene to scene or character to character. You're you are this conscience for Erica. Uh and she's been dealing with this traumatic childhood experience. Um and then one day. Uh, A sequence of events happens that kind of brings that back to the surface and she kind of enters like a a witness protection program um, and is kind of tasked with having to uh, figure out some things related to this the case which was this childhood traumatic experience and then as you um, sort of uh, help Erica circumvent all these uh, all all these kind of uh, avenues and characters in a story you're then you start to be pulled between multiple perspectives or ideas of what's going on. We wanted to use branching as a, as a way to say, well, we're not just telling you exactly what the story is. Uh, you know, uh, depending who you talk to, depending what you see, what you don't see, will kind of
2: shape your expectation hmm. of what's true and what's what's fiction. I think I think your point that you were making while well, asking the question about the interactivity is. Super important for us because we, we we saw all these benefits of of using live action that that Jack was mentioning, but really we didn't want to concede kind of any 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 compromises in terms of how how interactive it is, how tactile it is, how how often people are like interacting with this world. We just didn't want to compromise that because we are games developers and wanted to make like a game, a proper, full-fledged, mm-hmm. fully interactive game. So it just makes me really happy that 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 you noticed that. And it was like mm-hmm. a, a conscious decision to start the game on an interactive moment. The the, the game won't yeah. play itself. This this mm-hmm. is a video that yeah. you have to actually that was true. We always said
1: if we start on a movie clip, then what what are we saying about the priorities of this experience? So you start on an interaction because it's saying this is player driven. And we really felt that, like, when you looked at other um, attempts at trying to make what would often be interactive movies, Mm. um, it felt like you would wait five minutes, then you'd press a button, you'd wait another five minutes. By the time the next choice came back, you've forgotten you're playing a game. And the part of your brain that watches a movie versus the part of your brain playing a game are very different. So um, it means you know by the time that gameplay comes back along again it feels like a chore it might not be what you're after anymore or you've been looking at your phone
0: you might
1: forget um, <laughs> so we have some really yeah we have these really strong philosophies that say you have to be interacting every 10 15 20 seconds erica only speaks when you choose for her to speak she only go where you 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 choose where she, for her to go um we never leave her perspective and she never um knows anything that we don't it's it's it you know we we are careful, watch kind of camera angles we use when and what we show and don't show to always get your brain to feel very much engaged with Erica and her journey mm. and to be, make it very clear in your mind, as our composer, Austin Wintery, said, this is not an a interactive film, it's a filmed game. It's yes.
0: Yes, I I think that is definitely true. Because now that you mention it, I do remember actually. Yes, that every time you are controlling Erica, that you are you only go where she only goes where you tell her to go, and she only speaks when you choose what you know how she responds as well. Uh, So you are always in control. And um, you know, you know, compared to other FMV games, now I enjoyed this game, The Complex. I don't know if you guys played it. It's a big budget kind of FMV game as well, which I really enjoyed. But that is more of an interactive movie. I would say, because you really only make choices in this game, like save this person, save that person. But in Erica, uh, you know, you're it's interactive right from the beginning and then all the way through. And so I was always with the mouse, you know, thinking, okay, it's going to be interactive any moment, but I still engage with the story. Um, how, how so, uh, I'm curious as well, because it was filmed, it was FMV, but then you mentioned about using CGI for interactivity. So how, how much was kind of, you know, real set design, real uh, mm. objects that, you know, you have, and then how much of the CGI. So you mentioned like wiping the condensation on mm-hmm. the moon. So,
1: virtually, I, virtually everything you saw, including interactions was filmed in
0: camera. Wow. So, that's, that's yeah. really impressive. <laughs> that's,
1: so that's real Zippo, real scenery, real condensation. Uh, you know, they were, we, we, that was kind of a thing. Because a lot of the time we wouldn't be able to afford CGI, hmm. so we, um, you know, we did. Well, I'll go get the, the zipper. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, so, oh
0: yes.
1: <laughs> so so Pavle and I, right now, we we we're in different parts of our office in Shoreditch in London because after Erica we raised a bit of funding and we um, uh, got ourselves a nice office because we spent years in this tiny place. So Pavle is now holding up uh, the zippo from the beginning of Erica, which was awarded what? to so us.
0: I- and I, I, can see, I can confirm. It looks real from where I am. <laughs> yeah, it's real. It, it, does, it does not look CGI from. This is Zippo. Yeah. But that, that's that's really impressive, then. And then how can how did you? I don't know if, uh, if it's a stupid question, or if you're able to answer. But then how did you make it then interactive? So to, with the condensation then and moving the, mm-hmm. the Zippo then, uh, how did you? You know, we're able to put that into the game to make it interactive. Because I just guessed that oh, this is an animation, just mm. to make it easier. Well, no, so did, did you have someone really like wiping the the mirror then?
1: Essentially, I mean, the truth was we didn't and couldn't afford a games artist. We're a game studio without an artist. That which is a very strange <laughs> thing. Uh, now we do have an art director and a visual effects supervisor for, for, for like future projects, but um, the case was. We were looking at existing technology out there, existing game engines. They weren't really suit. They weren't really geared towards film or live action. So we had to build this technology from the ground up, which we call touch video, and it allows us to manipulate video in really interesting, innovative ways. And so we've kind of got a suite of mechanics from being able to, you know, move objects to wipe surfaces, to peek around corners to look around mm. the environment, we can pull focus in the frame between layers, um, you know, lots of really impressive stuff. Um, and we used that to kind of make up all the mechanics and Erica um, without touch video, there would be no Erica, but it felt to us that without touch video, B didn't really work as a concept. Uh, it just meant it would be too clunky, not responsive enough, not interactive enough, not seamless enough, not engaging enough. Um, so, so really, it felt like without the technology, we can create something worthwhile. But the other half of that was also um, the design philosophy. So we thought about this idea of taking touch video technology and giving this to new age storytellers and saying, "Go and make something cool with your voice." But the problem is, whilst the technology is powerful, if it's used in the same way that F and V was used prior to Eric, I suppose, then um, you'd get things like they were still from the 90s in terms of that like archaic kind of half-baked implementation. So we've started to actually build like a, a kind of a gold standard book of flavorworks philosophies almost of when to use a certain mechanic and how to use it and, and, and all those kind of things. It's got It's getting quite thick, but... We just realized that if you go on a film set, there's all these rules, you know. there's all these things people have learned over a hundred years of filmmaking, uh, little tricks and practices. And um, they, you know, someone had to figure all of that out and now they have, and we have the movie industry. And for every game, you're also figuring out crazy things. Um, and then our problem is we're making a game and a film at the same time with little money, with little people. It's a massive nightmare on new technology. So um we started with Erica before, during, and after Erica, we kind of uh, had a bunch of philosophies of how to do this. And a, and a big part of that was working and respecting the existing filmmaking philosophies out there, the rules, that, the codes and conventions. And then complementing that sometimes completely ripping up that rule book um, to make something that we felt worked in this hybrid medium. Um, And and obviously the results of that is Erica, which uh, as our first, as our first release, we're very happy with.
0: Yeah. uh, As I said, it was very seamless as well. And, you know, it works. You can tell that it is a hybrid game it's not just an interactive movie. And also, also, I was, happy to see that you didn't just introduce arbitrary random puzzles that like in, in other games in the 90s, other FMV games that uh, you just have like a, a slider puzzle for no reason that here everything felt natural mm. uh, to the story and then like you're just moving objects like moving the lock, moving the bottle mm. um, but is it, uh, Pavlo, were you the technical director I believe on the game? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so so Yeah. So what were there any challenges, uh, I guess, that you had to overcome then using this new technology or, or anything you would like to add?
2: Yeah, well, it, it was creating the technology in the in the first place, right? So, so Jack had this idea for this this way of making uh, games that use live action but didn't compromise on any interactivity. And and part of that was using these expressive ways of interacting with video. Whereas, you know, making a choice is nice and and, and we we do a lot of that. You can also do things like uh, you, can, you can write your name in, in pen on a card that you're sending to another character in Erica, or okay. you can, as you're saying, wipe condensation off a mirror. And you can actually like do that in, in whichever like expressive way you want. So we knew what we wanted to do. And we knew kind of the, the goals that we had in terms of making something that was still live action and used kind of all the nuance of, of really good performances from actors, but still had all the interactivity we wanted, but there was really no, Technology out there to to do that. So essentially, it was it was writing uh, a whole engine essentially from from scratch, and then of course porting that to the PlayStation when Sony came to us and they really liked the project. It wasn't it wasn't initially on PlayStation, but then we, we showed it to them. They loved it, and we we got it onto the PlayStation, and now onto all these other platforms. It came out on iOS uh, a few a few months ago, and it's gonna come out on 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 PC on the twenty fifth. So it is all new, and it is all kind of very interesting ways of using video that perhaps weren't even possible like five ten years ago which is one of the reasons why why I think that this is a different way of using live action in games because we have these new possibilities and also we've simply perhaps people hadn't thought of using video in these ways in the past
0: yeah definitely very very exciting. And uh, then with the, with the sets as well, I mean, you said that everything, you know, there's practically no CGI. So, the, and again, I don't want to give e- anything away, but were, were all the sets real or was there any green screen as well? And so also there was one or two moments where i say it's like there might have been fire or water used. Uh, was that real or was there any of that special effects uh, as well?
1: So in terms of the minimal CGI, that is things like fire, just, you know, safer... <laughs> uh not worth starting a fire sure. that you're not ready to put out so um <laughs> so so the sets are real in fact we we went to a place uh uxbridge just on the outskirts of london uh in england and uh, there was a massive manor there there's actually two massive manors we jump between them filming is oh, very okay. strange because in fact the whole difference between film and games is um you know in games you'll sit in an office for a few years and you work month to month, and then it's kind of, and it's kind of one level of cost. Whereas in making something like this, it's a few of you in an office, and then when it comes to filming, it kind of ramps up mm. in a very large way. Um, and suddenly, it's seventy people on set, and they're, um, you know, dressing all these rooms in this massive, massive manner. And we're running from room to room, filming scene to scene, trying to make them sometimes feel like different places, sometimes make them feel like the same place. Um, And as soon as we're wrapping up, another film crew is moving in. You know, it's like, there's these kind of, there's a lot of prime locations for filming around London and the UK and Ireland as well. Um, And and we, we found a place. So yeah, for those reasons, it's very practical. So much so that without spoiling anything, if you went to that location in real life and went into the garden and rustled around in the bushes for a while, you might find a few Zippo lighters that we threw and can't find because we shot it at nighttime. So, but there oh, is a free, there's a one or two free Zippos going in, a, in
2: Uxbridge, oh,
0: if well, you can find what,
2: them. I'm gonna try not to spoil anything either, but there are aspects of that location that are disturbingly real. So things that you think aren't actually a part of that house and are because it's a little bit of an odd place. With some art history,
1: oh yeah, I think I think actually it used to be an old testing facility of some sort, right?
2: Yeah, I didn't know. Oh, uh, I didn't ask too many questions, and I'm not entirely sure what the history <laughs> is. But I do remember thinking like, this is bizarre. <laughs> what the amount of like rooms that they have in this in this old manor? that oh, are yeah, residential. Was
1: that in, speaking of the other film crews, you know, for other projects going in there. And actually, it's kind of weird because every once in a while, I'll be watching TV and then I'll see a scene, and I'm like, "That's a scene from America," and it's just, it's just that two film crews shot two movies in the same place. Um, um, yeah, I remember going around and just being like, "Yeah, oh wow, they really dressed that set nice." And they're like, "No, that was that was here when we got here." <laughs> like, oh, maybe it was one of the other film crews. They're like, "Nope, nope, that's uh, that's from the past." In fact, we did end up filming in a. Um, for lack of a, uh, uh, to be blunt, I think it was a 1800 sex dungeon in a cave. <laughs> Is that right, Pavle? Wow.
2: Well, there was a cave. Uh, there, there are stories about what the cave was used for, but I, I also, so I don't come from like the film side. I'm a, I'm a programmer. So there were things about, about like kind of movie making that surprised me. But one of them because you know, there's some like, I guess I guess at some point in the game, that that, that, that was necessary. And I, I thought that there'd be a way to like fake a cave. They were like, no, we're going underground. I was like, oh Jesus. Because <laughs> that's uh, really how it's uh, done. You,
1: I mean, I, you, you should go for the gift. I think there's some books in a gift shop that talked about its history, but you would get dripped on and by like, you know, just the surfaces of the cave and feel a little bit weird. But they were down there for three days, uh, filming a huge scene towards the finale of the game. Um, just because there's so many different branches of dialogue and permutations because it's a branching experience. I think we shot, there's something like 300 minutes or more content for what should otherwise take you 90 minutes or two hours to play through. Um, so we have people like playing through uh five, six, seven times to see all the endings, to see all these little paths um, because there's just so many different, yeah, there's so, many, so much content there.
0: But because as I said, I played through the game twice, but and it got different experiences, different endings as well, different paths. So I look forward to seeing if I can play through it again to see what you know what I can find. Um, but uh, th- then you know I, I don't want to give anything away regarding the you know the story, but the location was you know was perfect, I think. And also with that location, you could make nearly a futuristic sci-fi, or you could make a historical uh, you know story as well. Um, so it definitely really worked. Uh, then regarding the 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 actors, because uh, a, a lot of the issues with previous FMV games, not all of them, but 13 in the 90s, is even though they got good actors, uh, like Christopher Walken in, in, some case, in one case, but the acting was really bad or cheesy. <laughs> um, now, the acting, thankfully, in Erica, is really, really good. So, first of all, why do you think that the acting um they weren't able to get the acting to be great previously and then how did you guys first of all you know get the acting to be good in erica
1: i would so i know that there's actually in fact at the wrap party for erica just before what we would do it was the day after we finished filming we um hired out a bar in london as a thank you to all the film crew brought them in and played them a little trailer of Erica that we had just kind of cut together whilst we were filming to show them what they'd been working on as, as a thank you um, and just at the beginning of that trailer I put in a bunch of clips for old FMV games just so they could watch the past before seeing the future you know in a cheesy way and then one of those was the Christopher Walken clip in one of these old FMV games um, and I mean looking at it I mean he's got this amazing accent but hmm. I'm guessing they placed him against a green screen. They probably haven't had the money to hire the other actor on the day, so this guy has no one to play off of. You know, right. like, actors really, you know, they're really looking for truth, and and it, and and, uh, and and it really helps to play off another character. So if you haven't got that person in the room as that, um, if it's you know not a very good script, and <laughs> it's a game designer directing you rather than a, a director who knows how to talk to actors, then you're not going to get. same performance out of them and then also probably it was you know Christopher Walken running in between jobs that paid better, (laughs) you know so it's time money expertise um this the 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 conditions of which to immerse yourself I mean these days there's a lot I have a lot of respect for artists that have to wear a motion capture suit and be in a volume and pretend there's a world around them we had the advantage of of placing a world around them. But then on top of that, the challenge was we were then asking them to learn four, five, six different versions of a scene because of the player being able to branch this. And we found that the younger actors were a lot more able to uh, digest that. Um, Some older actors, I guess, if you don't have the context of what a video game is, it can feel a little bit strange. And I think, writers for so long and storytellers for so long have been used to trying to find that one true version of the story so then suddenly when you're told the player makes their own story uh that kind of says well then uh, which there there is no true version of the story and in a way it's not you know it's there's a core theme and it's core um threads going through that story but uh you know we want to make space for the player and, and we think by having a branching narrative, we can do more interesting things with, with perspective and storytelling. Um, and so that might be harder for um, some folks to get their head around. It might've been harder for Mr. Walken where yeah. <laughs> he, he's responding to different dialogue choices out of, out of sequence, you know? Mm. But um, uh, people like Holly Earl, who played Erica, was amazing because- She
0: was fantastic
1: she's become like a good friend like when we, when she came in she was a gamer already you know so we could talk about games and she got the concept and then when it came to directing her um we brought on a live action director who also was a gamer and that was really important um and him and i could, could have a good dialogue and we could start talking about film and then start talking about games um in you know in one breath and i think it was interesting, uh him and our film producer when they first saw Holly, um they were looking at it through the lens of a film, and so Holly gave a performance that was a little subdued, and they were they were wondering should we you know should we go with a different flavor but then i my argument to them was because this is a game, the dynamics you need from that protagonist are so different. Because you need someone who, you know, if the player is not choosing any words and Eric is running around and punching people in the face and, you know, can't keep still, you're going to feel really disconnected as a player. Mm. So what Holly, and, and when you go and make, if you've got four dialogue choices and you make your first dialogue choice, and then you go forward and you, and you have another set of dialogue choices and you make another dialogue choice. You need, no matter what permutations you go down, you need all those performances to work as a single cut. Because we've all played those games where you have a character come in, you click hello, they say hello, and then the next choice is I disagree, and they flip the table and and say, how dare you? (laughs) And then the choice after that, they go back to sipping a cup of tea, you know? And it's like, it it oscillates too too dramatically. Mm. So so Holly was brilliant at that. And then the other actors were also able to take her lead and um, follow all these branches through the story. And they all did a really great job. And I think we're really proud of the continuity because I don't think there's, I don't really think there's a single jarring cut in Erica. And it's very hard to go through and see all the possible permutations. Um, so we, we really felt like um, that paid off.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, Holly Earl, the main act, actress, was absolutely fantastic. I mean, they all were really good. Mm-hmm. And, and and as you mentioned with the different, different... First of all, I really like Christopher Walken for anyone out there. I think he's a great actor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, was just one famous example in FMV that the acting was known to be cheesy. Um, but in this case, it was uh really good and then how, how do you go about casting the the actor because i was just going through imdb kind of like a who's who list of, mm-hmm. of actors i saw that was it you have uh terence uh, maynard who i saw i remember seeing the witcher and other yeah. things as well but i was like i because with the actors i was like i know them i know them mm-hmm. somewhere then i go check I like oh yes they're from the witcher they're from this movie they're from this tv series mm-hmm. so how do you go about casting uh the actors?
1: So- it's interesting when it started, I I I I had this weird purist idea that I didn't want to cast anyone famous or no one. Because when I know as an actor in a movie, I'm I'm st- if if we cast Julia Roberts to play Erica, I wouldn't be going, oh no, Erica. I'd be going, oh no, Julia Roberts. Because you know you know that person more than you the character, right? So it's like an extra barrier to immersion, especially when you're the one puppeteering them in a in a strange way. You don't want it to feel like that. So, um, but when it, we would, we just went to like a casting agent who our film producer had worked with and rated. Um, What was funny is that a lot of the casting agents would send us voice reels because they just saw the word game, right? Right, They're like, oh, it's another vocal booth job, you know, another voice booth. And we're like, no, 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 this is (laughs) film, you know? So, and then I'd finally come in um, uh, and that's generally how it works. And so uh, me not being someone who really follows named actors or anything too much, I'm almost actor blind from, from, (laughs) from show to show. I won't tell when an actor's transformed to a different role. So I'm actually kind of immune to that problem of, of, of having my immersion broken, but um, they would come in and we wouldn't be judging them based on any other work they've done, you know, just, just what they did in front of us there. Um, And it was in the time after filming Erica that, People like Sasha Frost, who played Hannah, would go and do some work in his Dark Materials for the BBC, or or Terence, who played Lucian, would would go and do work in The Witcher. He came in to do um, some voice dialogue replacement stuff um, about six months after we finished filming. And he was like, oh, I'm in something called the Witcher? I was like, it's a Witcher show? <laughs> you know, like he didn't realize that it was this huge phenomenon, mm-hmm. you know, so now I'm, now I'm guessing he's, uh, he's feeling the the fans, you know, <laughs> um, so yeah, um, we didn't think about that. I, I, I didn't realize that Holly had a history in things like Doctor Who yeah. and Skins, um, you know, um, and I think since, since she came out on Erica, I think uh, League of Legends reached out to her, made her a character in that, and uh, she's done a few things like that. So, um, so yeah, it's... it's. So, I guess um, yeah, it's, they, they realised she was a gamer. So.
0: Yeah, no, fantastic. Well, the, all of the acting was really good in it from, you know, from everyone. Um, and then back so, to the programming side, because you mentioned with the different with the branching side of it. I don't know, Pavlo, maybe you can answer this. I don't know if... Um, uh, were there any challenges because uh, Jack mentioned that uh, it's pretty seamless that there was no scene that's jarring. Um, h- how did you kind of make sure that uh, all of this kind of happened that it, there was no jarring scene that you know the, di- the the different choices different branching choices that the player made that you know basically it, we would follow through with it if you know what I mean? I don't know if that yeah. makes any sense. Um, but it so makes sense. And I,
2: I, I think there are like two sides to the seamlessness, right? There's kind of before we shoot, we had to actually write all this stuff out mm. and find a way of actually conveying it to, like Jack was saying, the live action director, all the actors, every single person on sets, you know, the set designers. Actually, you know, these people are used to getting a script that is a stack of 120 A4 pages written in courier font. They know exactly like what that looks like. And it's not how I think is going to look like, right? Because it can't just be like a set of pages and then say like, go to page whatever, go to page whatever, because that would be, I mean, we tried, (laughs) it would be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages. So there's a a whole kind of process of making sure that in in pre-production, essentially, everyone from the film side can become acquainted with this very like interactive way of writing. And also we need to actually have the tools in order to write all this interactive stuff. So we developed our own tools in order to be able to both create this content, like author it, and then be able to share it and show it to people in the film world who, uh, you know, we don't expect to be, to be programmers, you know, we, we expect them to just be really good at, at what they do. So that's kind of that side of it, having that on, on sets so that people know when they're saying a line, what line came before that or what paths could have gone into that and making sure that everyone has all that information so they can do their, their artistry. And then afterwards, we need to take all that footage and turn it into, into this like super seamless experience where the, there's never any pops in the music, there's never any missed frames in, in any transitions. And that, that was just a, a long process of, of, of development and of attention to detail and of really kind of scrutinizing every, every transition and doing some really weird stuff with video players on a lot of <laughs> platforms. So, <laughs> without wanting to bore you with too many like technical details. Yeah, we were doing some stuff with video players that I don't think uh, many people are.
0: Yeah, and uh, uh, okay, what was I going to ask? Um, Oh yes, that uh, I believe it was Jack who mentioned before recording uh, that there were no loading times uh, for example in the game Um, or you know, it was again you know, it was scenes going again um, so, what was that also a challenge, you know, to have like the the, the video kind of running all the way through? Because usually, when, at least in games, when a character goes to a different room or a different scene, you see a little loading screen and it's, um, you know, I, I know that other developers have tried different ways of trying to keep us within the story, within the game, but in this game, it, there was no loading screen. So, I'm just curious how uh, how you manage that, or is this just part of the new engine that you created?
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. So, so the, the ambition was to have something that someone could just kind of sit down, start playing, not need like, any explanation for how things are going to work, not have to like wait for a loading screen to finish, not have to like read an, an instruction manual and just sit down and kind of use their touch to, to play. Because essentially, if someone wants to watch a film, they also wouldn't expect to then have to like, wait for a film to load or to learn how to use the film. And it, it works in some similar ways that like a film that you, you know, a file that you press on your computer and you press to play can like start playing without loading. But then we do have to do like additional things on top of that, such as like load things essentially while you play and try to essentially load the bits that you're going to see, depending on on what you've done in the past and what what choices you've made. So we try and kind of stay ahead of the player and always like, even on, on there on some platforms, we have to like download it up or stream data in as the player plays. So it kind of becomes this game of like trying to know where the player is headed and then kind of always be one step ahead. So that for a person that's playing it, it really is like you just sat down and you open something up and you started playing it. And even for the length of Erica, it's kind of very, uh, very appropriate for that one session per playthrough we do think a lot of people are going to play it more than once, but that kind of like first experience experience—if you can just sit down, turn the game on, start playing it, play it all the way through. And then at the end of it, you're just like, you get that experience, like when you're, uh, when you're leaving the cinema and you just have like your head full of these, like, uh, you know, questions and feelings. And, and you've just had this awesome experience and you had like no kind of limitations to that experience.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, definitely think it, uh, it works. And then regarding the, the writing, because I'm guessing for, uh, you know, for a film, it's more linear, but then this game, obviously, just more branching paths. Um, so, and I don't know we were talking about this, Jack, before, um, that to have, to, so so I guess to have, um, you know, one story being told in one playthrough, but then depending on choices made, it would kind of be different variations. So how how did you make sure that the story still made sense Uh, if you just play through it once or twice versus if you play through it like six or seven times, you get six or or seven different endings? Mm. Um, Was that a challenge as well when you were writing?
1: Oh, it was a huge challenge. I mean, (laughs) particularly I mean, the whole writing process, I think was a challenge for everyone involved because um, because it was a game, we had specific rules, you know, and i found this as i talked to other developers as well, but in a movie, you always have this thing of, I always know this character is going to do this. Uh, In games, you have to say, well, what if the character doesn't do that? What most games do is just say, well, it's game over. But we felt like, why are we doing game overs? You know, like, this isn't the arcade. We don't get any more money if the player has a game over. Mm -hmm. But if anything, we diminish their immersion. We make them go back and repeat content. Um, there's no advantages for us here having this game over. So um, we had to find ways for the story to keep moving forward whilst having real consequences. Um And because we wouldn't be able to move out of Erica's perspective, um, because we wanted to stay with her, we, we played games where your character leaves the room, leaves leaves the house and the camera pushes in. And there's a, her, she's left her, car keys on the table something like that or house keys on the table or a phone and someone's trying to call her in this emergency and we the player are screaming at the screen go back and get the keys and the game says no you know so then your character like two scenes later realizes oh no I left my keys and we're there like yeah we know um in a movie that's fine right because you're not the character but in a game that's that doesn't really work um so so, you know, there's all these kind of um, filmmaking ideas that suddenly weren't really available to us. So that was a problem. And then on top of that, we're adding the branching story, you know, so it's uh, doubly, doubly tricky. Um, our whole approach to the story though was to say, you know, isn't it interesting that if you go into a room early, you're going to get one side of a story. And if you go into that room late, you're going to get another side of the story. The idea that, we all get news on our social media, but depending what publications we follow, we get, we're going to get different spins of the same story, you know, um, with, with little um, subjective uh, twists to them. Um, and so, actually, that sounded like an interesting idea because it meant that when two people compared their experiences, there were scenes that they both recognized that they've both experienced, but then they would use that to contextualize the stuff that only one or the other saw. And that felt really exciting. It felt exciting to me in the same way that in when I was a kid and I played Pokemon Red and my neighbor played Pokemon Blue and we had different Pokemon. It was like, wow, you know, it made the world feel alive. So, um, and then when it came to the endings, we were like, well, well, we've got five or six endings here. Do they all betray one another? Do they rule each other out? We're like, no, they all support one another. And by seeing all of them, you can start to get a bigger sense of what's going on. And yet, despite all of that, we made a kind of risky but conscious choice to keep things a little ambiguous. Mm. Um it doesn't so that so you know, I I think that's just something that attracted us um and not saying about idea. I think a little bit inspired by an immersive theatre show we saw once by a company called Punch Drunk, and the show was called The Drowned Man. And the idea was me, Pavle, a bunch of our friends, and old colleagues, we went into the show over 200,000 square feet. And there's, it, it's not like you sit in a chair, you walk around the space, and there's 60 actors all living in this space, doing different things in different places. If you walk one way far enough, you'll end up in a desert. If you walk the other way, you'll end up in a trailer park, or the other way, a movie studio, the other way, a bar. Um, And the idea is you're all seeing different pieces of a bigger picture. And then afterwards you go into, you go to a nearby bar or pub and you talk about it. Um, And and you realize you have to go back and see more. (laughs) And I love that so much more than just watching one predetermined sequence of events. Uh, And so that's, that's what carried us through was that exciting
2: idea. One, one cool thing that I'd like to add as well that, that made the writing so much harder was that Erica will never speak without it being a choice. So that, that was a mm. really important paradigm. And one of those choices is always silence. You, ca- you can't always mm. choose to just not answer. So you can imagine how difficult that is to write, but also how awesome it is that we give people that option.
0: So is it possible then that Erica stays silent throughout the entire game or does she have to speak at some point?
2: First time
1: she speaks, because we teach you the mechanic, Mm. So I think the first time you, you see Erica as an adult you wipe the condensation off of her bathroom oh, yes, yes, yes. stare, mm. mirror she's staring back at you, it's like us announcing you're now seeing the world through, through her eyes, even though we do cut to cinematic angles and at that moment you have a, there's like four choices of what you want her to say but we don't uh, pass that she can be silent the entire game
0: Wow, and uh, and I have to say as well, visually the game is really good. It's it's very it's spectacular at times. It's um, that I'm i just wondering, well, how did you know it? Uh, and again, I don't want to nearly spoil anything, but just some of the coloring that's used in the in the game as well, and um, you know there are times with the, you know. With flowers falling down, (laughs) that's all I'll say. (laughs) Um, But it was really, really interesting as well. So was that like like a conscious choice as well to tell the story visually as well? You know, how important was that in this game? Oh, for
1: sure. For sure, I think we we knew we were working in a visual medium and, you Mm -hmm. know, the the old mantra is show, don't tell. In our case, sometimes that was play, don't say, um, (laughs) which we we made up. (laughs) But... um, but, you know, it was that idea that, yeah, we dialogues, dialogue's cool, but it's not a radio play. And, you know, and there's lots of dialogue in Erica. Um, yeah, we, we wanted to make something that was visual and gripping that made you aesthetically care as much as emotionally care. Um, yeah, so I think that was a big part. And we worked with some great filmmakers to and brought them into the fold. I think it was important to us not to throw the the script over a fence and say you guys go film it yeah uh, we very much made sure that the filmmakers were developers and the developers were filmmakers and uh, it allowed us to have a, a coherent you know aesthetic throughout
0: yeah well again it's kind of hard to talk with the visuals without giving spoilers as well so uh, but just I think that it was really really good and then the final thing about the game. Because uh, because I, I know coming up on time we want to keep these too long, but um, the music is really good as well. And was the composer nominated for an award or did he win an award? That so I this,
1: read. Yeah. So um, this is Austin Wintery who composed the music for the game Journey. You played Journey. Oh
0: wow! Uh, I think I, I did play it before. Yes. Yes.
1: He also played. Uh, he did a score for like Assassin's Creed Syndicate, uh, the Banner oh. Saga. Wow.
0: So uh, he's uh, he's done stuff before then. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And for a friend of a friend, um, we ended up, Pelle and I ended up in San Francisco and um, we were out with Sony basically pitching Erica to the president of PlayStation. Uh, Whilst we were there, a friend I'd been kind of um, talking to the project about, she knew Austin Wintory and she said, you have to go to this hotel and meet these two guys. And Austin respected this person's opinion. So he said, yeah, okay. And then we met with Austin in like the lobby of a, of a W Hotel, which every year at GDC, the Game Developers Conference, the W Hotel is just rammed from morning to night because it's like a convenient meeting place for all these different game developers to do business. Uh, I, we showed Austin this little demo prototype we put together. Uh, Pavley and I, when we quit our jobs and started Flavorworks, we put our savings together, a few hundred pounds each, and we... Uh, made this like five minute, I guess in games, you call it like a vertical slice. Like it shows you a bit of everything, like a vertical slice of a cake, you know, all the layers. Um, And so uh, we showed him that and he was like, I'm in. And then um, for the next few years, Austin, you know, worked really hard with us getting music to sound beautiful and interactive. Austin actually did a video you can get on YouTube it's called anatomy of a scene from erica um, something like that and he basically talks about how as the story branches in games he's used to like making a loop of music that's a couple of minutes long and that music repeats Mm -hmm. and that's often what a lot of games music does because the player is making a choice every 10 seconds or so that means the music has to reflect to change uh, and and meet that choice every 10 seconds so he ended up saying it was the hardest score he ever did, but he won multiple awards for it, and we think it's awesome. There's even a, a vinyl album you can buy of the score, the Erica official soundtrack. It's also on Spotify, I think. Um We thought it was lovely, and we were really happy with it.
0: Yeah, no, definitely, it's it, it's fantastic. It's, <laughs> um so definitely deserves to win the awards, and um and so so now I do. Uh, keeping you guys but for if anybody else uh you know say wants to make an fmv game uh like your own because I, I believe i've heard before people say that oh to make an fmv game is easy you just write it and then shoot it and then put it together and i i've never made an fmv game but i'm guessing it's not that simple it is uh, if you want to
1: make a bad one
0: right <laughs> So but my question then is, do you have any advice um, from, either, from either of you, from the two of you, to anyone who, say, w- would like um, to make a game? If plays Eric and goes, wow, I would love to make a game like this. Um, how, you know, Do you have any specific advice? or <laughs> Maybe don't do it. <laughs> and the question, <laughs> the question why you're doing it,
1: you know, um, mm-hmm. you get a, you know, we hear about FMV games that they release the game and then they'll release a movie cut of the game and it's like if your game deserved to be a game in the first place why is it a movie like if your gameplay was that meaningless to the experience then it's why bother you know it's like it's like it's like uh making a movie of an audiobook where nothing is learned through the visuals you know Hmm. um it's so so if you're going to make it make something that deserves to be played rather than watched you know, make your life easier uh might you might not make maybe sell as many copies but a bit more dignity to it maybe so um so that's one <laughs> yeah, thing but is, you know make it meaningful
2: make it relevant if if, the game. if if your heart is in the right place and and, and you're making and you know a project with with uh yeah with, with the right ideas and with the right respect for both kind of video games and filmmaking get in touch with us right we 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 <laughs> Uh, We have a we have a platform, and we we are looking for we're always looking for for cool talented people to to work with. So yeah, do get in touch with us. We're
1: very passionate about you know wanting to help people make something worth worth people's time, and so that's why you know the touch of video technology exists because whilst we love making this stuff, we want to allow we want to empower other people to make stuff with that technology as well but we also want to help inform them of like the game design side I mean I have had a people at a screenwriters festival come up to me before and said how do I make a quick buck writing video games and (laughs) said well you wouldn't write a movie without walking into a movie theater so you know you really need to play a game have it touch your soul in a way so you understand what it is that gameplay provides and then and then um and then right to that you know and if you've got something great and we can provide a tool and uh and, and and i guess the expertise then like for us that makes that makes the medium stronger and makes the world a better place overall so uh,
0: i mean i guess guessing that might be the wrong question for so how can i make a quick buck from video games <laughs> it's like okay sure you should be in it because you're passionate about video games i mean money is important but yeah.
1: uh... <laughs> true, they are insanely hard to make and,
0: and yeah they're
1: and and it isn't an industry.
0: it's,
1: it's funny game, gamers are very intelligent and they i think they particularly it's funny how how like games licensing used to be a massive thing 20 years ago like licensing mm. of movie movie ips for a game and it doesn't you don't really see as much of that anymore because i think gamers got wise to that idea Absolutely.
0: that, usually very that, bad <laughs>
1: yeah if you sign a movie contract that's where the money's gone and now you only have 12 months to make the game that should take three years. Uh, and it has to come out the same day as the movie. And, you know, whoever owned a copyright to it probably said, you're not allowed to do that with my characters. You're not allowed to do that mm. with my world. So you've got some very talented developers who um, kind of had their hands tied, um, unfortunately. And, and so I think over a while, the market, uh, the market responded to that by, by not buying them. Uh, and now you see less of them because I think gamers are rightly a bit skeptical. Mm. Um, and every once in a while, you'll get a fantastic use of the games license. But, um, you know, I guess the whole point is just that it's an industry, it's a medium where the audience is very aware of, of you know, what's going on, you know, so it's it's interesting. Yeah. And compelling- just huge to make really great products.
0: Mm, exactly. They can tell when something is, you know, I think with games, you can tell with something, you know, when people pour their heart and soul into something like with Erica, for example, you can tell that it wasn't just like tick box here, do this, check this box. That mm-hmm. it's like, no, you had a passion, you had an idea and, you know, you follow, follow through with it. And, uh, you know, it's like, you know, Jedi Fallen Order, for example, which is taken from the universe of Star Wars, but it's an original story. And again, from what I'm playing is really good. And um, it's, I, I don't know if you can answer this question, but I'm going to ask this anyway. Um, do you have any future plans that you're able to to talk about or anything at all? Because now that you have this technology, mm. uh, do, or do you know what you might be wanting to work on next after Erica, or yeah, anything at all that you guys can say? <laughs> I'll leave A little it to bit.
1: you. <laughs> A little bit, yeah, um, I, I, I get in trouble for this stuff. I, uh, I, um, <laughs> I think what excites us is about really exploring multiple genres from action to romance to comedy to horror to, to mystery um, because the whole idea of building this suite of tools is that rather than because often when you build a game you make tools for one game and then you throw those tools away and build them again for the next game. With this, we want to kind of say in the same way that a movie learned to use a close-up and a wide shot and a mid-shot, an uh, establishing shot, all this. Um and and that makes up the visual storytelling language of every movie you see out of Hollywood. Um, we want to be able to do that with mechanics. And so um if we can use these these mechanics we built for Erica and use them to inform new storytelling um and new 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 genres, that would be amazing. So at Flavorworks we've grown from that average team size of six. That made Erica to around 24 now.
0: Wow! Um,
1: so it exploded and got a huge team making uh, cutting-edge technology um, innovations, and then we've got some fantastic designers and writers who are putting together lots of different IPs. Um, we also, you know, starting to disc- to to invite external storytellers, the best of you know the best ones out there. Um, to potentially collaborate with us on on new things as well. So, whilst we're not ready to go into details for all that stuff, we are really spreading a wide net uh, and really trying to not be complacent about where where we were and to keep pushing for for a, a better output.
0: No, f- fantastic! At least you guys are working on on things. That's uh, so that's the main thing. Um and do, so you mentioned as well if people wanted to or had any ideas, wanted to use touch, uh touch screen uh, or touch video, sorry. Um where where can people find if they wanted to find out more about Erica? Uh, first of all, where where is Erica available to buy? thought that's the first question.
2: <laughs> yeah, so Erica will be available on Steam on the May twenty fifth. Uh just search for Erica. I believe we might add a subtitle like Erica Interactive Thriller or just Erica on yeah, Steam. And and Erica available with available as well. Otherwise. <laughs> oh erica with a c yes yeah. and it's available on ios as well also erica it's available on the playstation store also erica uh if people do want to get in touch we have a we have a form on our website that we actually do read so <laughs> so please submit it just just through the form and we will we will actually uh read that and yeah we're we're always open to 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 speak to to creative people no nope.
0: Fantastic! Uh, no, or guess... if
2: someone's just played the game, we always like to hear from people that have played the game. If there's something <laughs> you specifically like about the game, you know, we always love to hear people's opinions about it. And actually, there's an there's a form at, that we've put in at the end of Erica, slightly unconventional because we just want to hear like what people think about this game. So, yeah, reach out.
0: Yeah, well, I, I'm feeling people will like it on on Steam as well because it works. I haven't played it on PlayStation, but I've played it on PC. And it, as I said, it, it's very intuitive, very seamless. I was immediately, I was able to go, oh yeah, so with, with the lighter and with everything else that there was, there was no point that I was frustrated, you know, trying to fight the game, that which sometimes can happen. In, yeah, uh, it's, it's awesome on
2: Steam. Yeah, I, I love yeah. love how it feels on Steam. It, 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 it just, the moment we had it like on a PC and I was playing with the mouse and I was like, oh, okay, this, <laughs> this makes perfect sense because mice are really good input devices, it turns out. Yes. <laughs>
0: No, it works really better. well. And uh, and again, well, congratulations, well done, because the, you know, as we discussed as well, previous FMV games, especially in the 90s, don't always have the best reputations. That, that's kind of like they died out for a bit, but they're making resurgence. You know, I mentioned the complex, which had really high production values and really good acting. And then there was her story. And now your game, Erica, as well, which is doing something new, something different with uh, with the medium. So I'm really curious to know where you guys go next as well. I'm really really curious to know what future plans you have as well. So I'd love to have you guys on again. Hopefully uh, there'll be more projects to be working on. Uh, Before we finish, is there anything that either of you would like to say? Anything that um, I don't see people listening or that we haven't touched upon?
2: Is it for me? Yeah, I'm just just really excited to (laughs) hear what people have to say. Really excited to hear what people have to say about Eric.
0: Oh, thank you very much. Uh, well, thank you very much to the to the two of you. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, as I said, uh, yeah, it, it, I think I can I can say that I liked it. <laughs> it's okay. uh, I don't know if it's going up before the game is released, but yeah, I think I can say I liked it. No spoilers at all, but it, I definitely recommend people get it um, because I think people will really enjoy it. So, um, so the very best of luck with the release of Erica on PC and on Steam. And I really hope to speak to you guys again soon. Hopefully maybe next time it can be face to face.
2: Oh, that'd be lovely. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. We'll speak soon. All right.
0: So that was my interview with Jack and Pavle. And I hope you enjoyed that. And um as I mentioned and as I mentioned, their game Erica will be coming out on the twenty-fifth. So tomorrow from when the time this episode is released on the twenty-fifth of uh, May. And I'll be reviewing this game on Friday. Uh, Spoiler, I really liked it and I believe people should check it out, but I'll have more full review of it on Friday and I'll also be speaking with Thomas and Laura where we'll talk about the latest adventure games that we've been playing so please join us then. Uh, Thank you and take care everyone. Goodbye.